Good morning, friends. It's good to be together this April 26th, 2020. Today we'll be reading from uh, Fleeman, verses 1 to 7, and this sermon is titled, Partners in the Gospel. It's good to be together, even if it is a virtual connection during these days and times of COVID-19. We continue to hold our nation in prayer as we learn to cope staying at home and living in quarantine, especially during this past week as we have all collectively heard about or prayed for our fellow Canadians in Nova Scotia. What trying times, indeed. We're all learning to live with loss on one level or another, and in this present reality of COVID-19, we have lost the physical sense of community, of being together in physical ways. We've had to learn to live with restrictions in how we use our time, our freedom of movement, provisioning ourselves, or how to work from home and how we recreate with sudden imposed home time on our hands. Even how we relate with one another as we physically distance ourselves from others without socially cutting ourselves off from one another. Now, some of us have thrived, perhaps especially those of us who are introverted and who need solitude to recharge. Perhaps some of us face other challenges, getting out more, reaching out more, just for our own sanity's sake. But maybe those of us who are introverts need to be checking in on our extroverted friends. People like one of my daughters who are extremely wired for community and social connection has been connecting online and on the phone, even doing across-the-street visits with friends while physically distancing. We know these times are hard for many of us. Still others of us are risking their health and exposure to the virus for the greater community. Let's not forget them. They continually put themselves at risk for our health and our convenience. Let's not lose sight of that. Their own ordinary lives have had to suffer loss as well, the loss of physical intimate contact or affectionate touches. Perhaps the loss of some of their own physical space as they themselves uh, prevent themselves from coming into contact with loved ones in their own nuclear family and homes. Let's not lose sight of that either. So let's go beyond the 7 p.m. clang of recognition. Let's also continue to be safe and kind. Let's flatten the curve together, as Health Minister Dix and Dr. Bonnie Henry would say. Friends, I wonder if this was a little bit of what Philemon and Paul were experiencing when Paul wrote his friend. Philemon found himself at a loss. He suffered the loss of hired help, a loss of property, a loss of honor and trust. Onesimus, his slave, had run away with some degree of Philemon's monetary funds. Now, granted, the very short letter written by Paul to Philemon may not have been written during a pandemic the way we're experiencing it. But it was written to Philemon in a context of loss. The loss affected Fleeman's entire household, and just like Health Minister Dix and Dr. Bonnie Henry have asked us to partner with them to be kind and to show love and partner with them to help flatten the infection curve, Paul is writing to Fleeman, but perhaps to the whole gathered church in Laodicea as well, and asking them to partner with Paul in the gospel. Fleeman is a letter speaking into the context of loss. In this letter, a slave by the name of Onesimus has run away from his master, Philemon. He then fled to Ephesus in order to get lost in the crowds, only to have come upon Paul and was led to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. 
and was now serving Paul as Paul served his first imprisonment in Rome. Let's not forget that Paul is in chains, but the letter is much more than about dealing with loss. It is actually a letter that deals with feelings of betrayal, with forgiveness, and ultimately with grace and reconciliation and partnership. Paul not only invites Philemon to partner with him in living out the gospel, but with respect to Philemon's runaway slave, Onesimus, Paul invites Philemon and the church in Laodicea to forgive. Forgive a close household member who was once trusted and then betrayed the family. This person then ran off with their money and fled for his life. Paul very lovingly encourages and invites Philemon and his whole household to forgive. The call for all of us as Christ followers is indeed to forgive and to partner in the Gospels that we may all live the life God is calling us to live, especially as we bump into our roommates and family members more often now during this COVID-19 pandemic. Let's partner in the Gospel by living well with forgiveness leading us in the way. Here's a fun fact before we get into reading the scriptures. It's an interesting Note that 50 years after this letter was shared with the churches, Ignatius, one of the great Christian martyrs, was being taken to execution in Rome. And as he goes, he writes a letter to the surrounding churches and has much to say about their wonderful bishop, the leader of all the churches there. What is that bishop's name? Onesimus. It is only through the transforming power of Jesus Christ that a runaway slave had become the great bishop of Ephesus. Grace indeed. I want to encourage us to read through this very short letter. It'll take us less than 10 minutes for a short read and to let it sink in. Maybe even read it a couple of times during this week so that you can get more out of it. Well, friends, if you haven't yet opened your Bible, I invite you to turn to Philemon verses 1 to 7. It's a very short letter located in the New Testament right after the short epistle to Titus in a grouping of letters from Paul. This is today's passage of Scripture, Philemon 1 to 7. Verse 1 Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement, because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. This is the word of the Lord. The letter to Philemon is amazing because it's in this letter that we actually get a little picture of the character of Paul. We get to see him asking a favor. Now, Paul was not one who asked much in the ways of favors from the people around him, but in this letter he is asking a favor, not so much for himself as for Anisimus, who had made some poor choices and whom Paul was now helping to find his way back home. Today's portion of scripture shows us a bit of unusual writing, considering Paul is the author. 
Now, Paul normally would identify himself as an apostle, a messenger of God. But in this letter, he is writing as a friend to a friend. And he drops his official title. This is a personal letter, even though Paul intends for the church in Laodicea to hear it as well. Look with me at verse 1. Instead of writing as Paul the Apostle, he has every right to do so. He writes as Paul, the prisoner of Christ. Here at the beginning of the letter, Paul lays aside social convention and his right to exert power and authority. And he makes his appeal to sympathy and to love alone. Now, Fleeman lived in Colossae, just over 150 kilometers inland from Ephesus. The letter to the Colossians was being sent there at the same time, and for reference you can look up Colossians 4, verse 9. Fleeman had become a Christ follower through Paul's preaching. And in verse 2, we see the names of Aphia and Archippus. We're not sure who they were, but it has been suggested that Aphia was Fleeman's wife, and Archippus was their son, because they too would have been very interested in the return of Onesimus, the runaway slave. Now, Archippus had served alongside Paul because Paul refers to him as his fellow soldier or campaigner for the kingdom. Here's where our world has some distance from the ancient world. Philemon was a man of considerable wealth. In his day and context, people of wealth owned slaves. And to them, this was just as natural as owning a car or a computer. In fact, some people would wonder how we would live without them these days. Same thing in the ancient Near East. Today, for us, slavery is an horrific idea. But to the ancient world, slavery was like the convenience of electricity, of gas and cars. We couldn't imagine our society without them. And so suggesting that we get rid of slaves would be like suggesting that we should abandon all electronics and appliances and gasoline-based transport immediately. It just, it just wouldn't make sense at the time. Now, one of Philemon's slaves had run away, and in the ancient world, it was a capital offense. Many owners would severely punish the offender to communicate to the rest by imprisonment or severe beating or even ultimately crucifixion. Worse, not only did the slave run away... But Onesimus also took with him some cash. Now, as we read through this letter, we get the sense that Philemon was clearly a man from whom it was easy to ask a favor. He was a man whose faith in Christ and love towards the Christian community was well known. And the story of his faith and love had reached even Rome, where Paul was in prison. His house must have been somewhat like an oasis in the middle of a desert, for as Paul puts it in verse 7, Philemon had refreshed the hearts of God's people. It's a wonderful thing to go down in history as someone in whose house God's people were well rested and refreshed. The question for us is, is our home such a place? Is our home a place of refuge, so to speak, for its occupants and visitors? Or is our house just a place with four walls and a roof? Friends, Let's make our home much more than a mere dwelling place. Well, finally, we get to the runaway slave, Onesimus. His name ironically means useful, which he obviously hadn't been to wealthy Philemon for whatever reason. Anyway, Onesimus had now come under Paul's influence, and perhaps Onesimus had 
sought Paul out, having heard Philemon's family speak so highly and warmly about him. And now through Paul, Onesimus had become a Christian. So thankful for the gospel working in him, Onesimus then began looking after Paul in prison to attend to his needs with a devotion he didn't even show his real master. Onesimus and Paul had then become friends, well, brothers in Christ, close partners in Jesus' good news. Well, moving on in today's passage, there is one verse which is very difficult to translate. Many have given it a go, and much has been written about this verse. It is indeed verse 6, which in the English Standard Version says, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. The first part of verse 6 is most difficult. The sharing of your faith. In the original language of Greek, it means koinonia, pisteos, or the sharing of your faith, which can mean three different things. Number one, koinonia can mean a sharing in. It can, for instance, mean a partnership in a business. So then verse 6 could be translated as your share in the Christian faith. And it may actually be a prayer that the faith in which Philemon and Paul share may lead Philemon deeper and deeper into Christian truth. But it could also mean a second meaning. Koinonia can also mean fellowship. And this may be a prayer that Christian fellowship may lead Philemon ever more deeply into the truth. But this word koinonia can also mean the act of sharing. In that case, the sharing verse will mean, it is my prayer that your way of generously sharing all that you have will lead you more and more deeply into the knowledge of the good things which lead to Christ. Now, although there will be hints of all three in the meaning of verse 6, most scholars think that the third meaning, sharing, the act of sharing, is correct. Once again, If we read it as koinonia meaning the act of sharing, the verse will mean this in verse 6. It is my prayer that your way of generously sharing all that you have will lead you more and more deeply into the knowledge of the good things which lead to Christ. And obviously, Christian generosity was one of the ways Philemon was known for. He had a clear love for the people of God, and in, in his home, they were well rested and refreshed. And now Paul's going to ask his generous friend to be even more generous. There's a great thought here, if this interpretation is correct. It means that by emptying ourselves, we are filled with Christ. It means that to be open-handed and generosity-hearted is the most sure way to learn more and more of the wealth of Christ Jesus in his kingdom. The one who knows most of Christ is not the intellectual scholar with the PhD. It is not even the saint who invests all day in prayer. But the one who moves among others in loving and gracious generosity is the one who knows the most of Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Here are some questions to ponder or even consider for action. Number one. Philemon was someone in whose house God's people were well-rested and refreshed. 
Is our home such a place? Is our home a place of refuge for its occupants and visitors? Are all welcome? Friends, let us make our home so much more than just a dwelling place. Let's make it a place of refuge, not just for ourselves, and that is important, but also for our neighbors as well. Second question, what does it really mean to be generous with our possessions, with our gifts, with our resources? But what about with our attitudes, with how we regard those around us, especially when we've been offended or wronged? Friends, our call this morning, this week and forward, is twofold. To partnership in the gospel with our King, Jesus, allowing all that he has given us to be extended to others. But second, to a generosity that goes beyond the material to a generosity of spirit that allows for forgiveness to be the leader in our hearts, not a knee-jerk reaction to things done to us or said to us. This may mean treating someone who has wronged us kindly without vindictiveness. This does not mean we need to forgive and forget. And this does not mean we put ourselves out like a doormat to be tread upon. What it means is that we let God have the last word. And when we forgive, we let go. Forgiveness is a blessing that helps us to live well and live healthy. It is not intended to be a legalism. Rather, forgiveness is a gift for the one who extend it, as well as the beneficiary. Friends, when forgiveness is exercised, it allows God to transform lives. Paul, from a persecutor of the church to one of its most outspoken evangelists. Onesimus, from a runaway slave and thief to bishop of the church in Ephesus. What an amazing story of grace connected to us through God's never-ending story. What an invitation for us as we live in these trying times, trapped in our homes sometimes, in enclosed and smaller spaces with those who are closest to us, or even the community around us. Let us extend forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Thanks be to God. Amen.